Welcome to the Israel Daily News Podcast. I'm your host, Shanna Fold, and I'm here to get you caught up quickly. I've got some top news stories for you today from Israel, and guess what? You're listening, so you're already on top of your game. Survive and thrive, people. Knowledge is the best weapon. Today is Thursday, March 12th. 2023 in the Gregorian calendar and the 21st of Adar 5783 in the Hebrew calendar. Today I am producing the Israel Daily News Podcast's 500th episode. Stay tuned for the end of today's show. We have a special report on Israel's beaches, their history, and natural threats that arise from the water. It's interesting. Now, let's get to the news. Disturbing video was released Thursday night, very clearly showing a terrorist running up behind three men on Dizengoff Street in Tel Aviv and shooting them from point-blank range. One victim was shot directly in the neck and was seen tumbling to the ground while the other two were able to run off. The terrorist also ran after he committed the crime. There have been national campaigns of prayer as people hope to see the first victim, 32-year-old Or Asher, come out of the hospital alive. A second man, 34-year-old Rotem Mansano, was also seriously hurt and had to be treated in the emergency neurosurgery ward. He was supposed to DJ for a wedding reception, but was hurt and won't be able to. 70-plus Israeli DJs around the country of Israel offered up their volunteer services in his stead. The terrorist is a 23-year-old who was shot by an off-duty officer. He had been in the area and came out with a gun to neutralize the situation. The terrorist has already been in an Israeli jail twice. Two accomplices who drove the man to commit the attack turned themselves in on Friday. Just an hour or so after the Tel Aviv shooting, the West Bank Jewish city-slash-settlement of Beitar Elite came under attack as well. Everyone had to shelter in place while the army sought out a terrorist that they say planted a bomb on a bus, and it started to smoke up and cause an alarm. That bomb only partially detonated. It did not hurt anyone. Despite the events, Prime Minister Netanyahu stayed in Italy throughout the weekend for an important meeting that he said was too important to cancel. The Beitar settlement was on Friday morning, opened, and no terrorist was arrested. No more detail on what happened inside there. IDF soldiers at a military post near the city of Nablus in the West Bank quite literally came under fire by Palestinian men early Sunday morning. The IDF says soldiers were stationed at the military post in the northern West Bank in a small town called Jit, less than 10 miles away from Nablus, when they started getting shot at by multiple Palestinian gunmen. The gunmen were in a vehicle at the time of the shooting, and a Golani brigade patrol was able to neutralize three of the shooters before the fourth gave himself up 
and turned himself in. The notorious Nablus-based terror group, the Lion's Den, which is a semi-recent group, later claimed the three deceased shooters as members and released a cautionary statement. The warning says, quote, The series of revenge operations continues, and now Israel only has to prepare for a new wave of our signature operations of our lone wolves in the lion's den. End quote. The IDF seized three M16 rifles, a handgun, and magazines for the rifles during their operation Sunday morning. All of the weapons belonged to the shooters. On Sunday, the U.S. Air Force and Israeli Air Force of the IDF, of course, announced their second collaboration exercise for 2023. The name of this exercise is Red Flag, and it will include a number of different types of trainings, including strategic aerial attack, joint aircraft attacks, low-altitude flights, attacks in unfamiliar territory, and mid-air refueling among other things. Red Flag is taking place in the U.S. Air Force Base in Nellis, Nevada, and an IDF spokesperson says for the first time, seven Israeli planes and two U.S. planes would be involved in this exercise. In January, there was a Juniper Oak exercise, as it was called, which was the largest joint drill held by Israeli and American forces, with more than 150 aircraft, vessels, and artillery systems from both of the countries. Red Flag is the latest of these joint drills. Thank you to all of you for your interest in Israeli affairs. Israeli politics are world politics. Happy 500 episodes. There have been many listeners who have made this journey worth it. Thank you to all of you who personally finance and fund the Israel Daily News podcast by making monthly contributions. I would not be able to financially or emotionally continue without the support. Being on your own and making this show and making a news outlet is a lot of work and it's also very emotionally draining at times and that's why I love hearing from fans letting me know that my service is valuable to you gives me another day of the show I cannot stress it enough if you would make a contribution yourself you can find it in the link in the show notes so just click on the three dots bring down the show the show notes click on that and that'll take you to a page where you too can make a contribution and feel good knowing that you're supporting independent journalism. So check that out in the show notes or head over to anchor.fm slash Israel Daily News. Again, that's anchor.fm slash Israel Daily News. You can also support us by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. Two, you can share the show with a friend. And three, you can follow us on Facebook at israeldaily.news, as well as Shanna Fold. My name has two N's in it, and I'm very sensitive about that. You can also find us on Twitter at Israel Podcast. Israel's National Emergency Management Agency, or NEMA, is announcing that they have begun a four-day earthquake response simulation. 
Apart from Israel, 17 other countries are participating in this exercise, which aims to simulate the receiving of global aid in the case of a major earthquake hitting Israel. According to the ministry, the exercise will simulate all necessary emergency procedures, including the initial decision to request international assistance, integrating foreign rescue teams, distributing aid to various locations within the country, and the receival process of international aid. End quote. The modern state of Israel has never been on the receiving end of earthquake aid, so this exercise will be a new one. Experts say major earthquakes hit the region once every hundred years or so, which puts Israel right on track for another major earthquake somewhere within the next four to eight years. Out of Israel's 80,000 earthquake vulnerable buildings, almost none are built to withstand an earthquake. So in 2019, a plan was presented in government to allocate more than 5 billion shekels into strengthening buildings in case of an earthquake. Nema hopes that this week's simulation will provide Israeli and international ministries with sufficient information and resources to act quickly and effectively in the case of a major earthquake in Israel. Team Israel played their opening game in the World Baseball Classic WBC last night, beating the impressive Nicaragua team with a 3-1 to victory. For the second time in the country's history, Israel is participating in the WBC, which simplified is the World Cup, but for baseball. They last competed in the most recent WBC in 2017, where the country came in sixth. It was a huge surprise considering they were viewed as one of the weaker teams. And just like last time, Israel is once again considered a major underdog in this year's tournament with powerhouses like the Dominican Republic, Venezuela, and Puerto Rico all in the same group as Israel. Israel's third baseman, Garrett Stubbs, is also a catcher for the Philadelphia Phillies. And in this last game, he hit a deep double, allowing for two runs to score, which brought the score up to 3-1. That ended up being the final score of the game. The roster is made up mostly of American Jews, who under WBC rules are allowed to play for Team Israel, even if they aren't technically Israeli citizens. The team this year includes some big names like two-time MLB or Major League Baseball All-Star Jock Peterson and longtime MLB catcher Ryan Lavarnway, who was Israel's best player during their impressive showing at the 2021 Tokyo Olympics. And now for a special report which celebrates the Israel Daily News depth and originality. And of course, our reputable internship program, which is turning young Jews from all over the world into capable reporters. And I am spending a lot of time and effort into making that happen. Israel's coastline extends 195 kilometers, 200 if you consider Elat in the south. That's about 125 miles of blue Mediterranean waters inhabited and molded by humans for thousands of years. In fact, the first civilizations known to mankind likely frequented these shores, 
and while the Holy Land has been relevant for generations of people, the last hundred years, however, have been markedly more impactful than the centuries prior. Our intern from Brazil, Pedro Spiegel, has the story on why. Israel's beaches have gone through a number of natural disasters and ecological changes, with one of the earliest recorded challenges having been during the Phoenician era, about 200 years before the Common Era. And since then, every people have suffered at some point from water-related threats. The greatest of all is the tsunami. Situated in the heart of the country, Tel Aviv's shores impress anyone who sees them. If you've ever thought that the city's beaches look too good to be true, you're right. Since the 1920s, architects in Israel have been continuously transforming the Mediterranean basin into usable beaches for the growing metropolitan population. Daniel Zarhi comes from a long line of architects who've been working to shape Israel's center for four generations. Zarhi graduated with an architectural degree from the University of Tel Aviv in 2008 and has a lot of knowledge about the city's current urban plan, which is based on a vision from almost 100 years ago called the Gettys Plan. Before Tel Aviv had sandy beaches for sunbathing, it looked more like water washed up onto the existing swaths of sandstone, which have since been knocked down. Part of the Geddes plan, there was a kind of a series of boulevards that were supposed to lead from, from the beach, from one place on the beach to another place on the beach. So the Geddes plan was way before Tel Aviv, was, uh, Israel was, was founded. But funny enough, even though this was a major part of the plan, basically in both ends of the boulevards, they don't reach the, the beach. And like a lot of places, I think around the world, uh, the city was kind of turning its back to the, to the sea for a while until people or planners realized it's, a, it's something that you should actually face and not turn your back. I think since basically, I, I would say maybe the 60s or the 70s, the whole shore, uh, this kind of strip around the shore was developed as a main kind of hospitality, hotels, etc. Uh, in a way that was adapted to this period where they thought that, you know, the cars were the protagonist of the city and only later did they realize that you need to separate the cars and reduce the traffic in order for people to 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 be there. The Gettys Plan, designed by Scottish city planner Sir Patrick Gettys between 1925 and 1929, is still today the inspiration behind the multiple urban changes that the city is currently going through. While coastlines seem to be naturally occurring, this is not always the case, and especially not for Tel Aviv. Dr. Beverly Goodman of the University of Haifa is fascinated by shores and has been studying water flow for years. Today, she works at the Department of Marine Geosciences and is conducting a deep research on the best escape routes for Israelis should there be a tsunami. Her explorations have even appeared between the covers of National Geographic magazine and on a number of TV shows that explore all things under the sea. We cut up with the professor on her stomping grounds. Caesarea, 
a port city with a rich history in the center of the country. She tells the Israel Daily News Caesarea is one of the longest occupied spots known to men, with humans having continuously settled next to the shoreline for millions of years. One of the issues she stresses when it comes to beach erosion is that when people try to stop the flow of water in one place, it just moves to another. I hate to say give up the fight, <laughs> but there's a time, there are certain, because we, we know scientifically that the more natural we can leave the coastline, the more resilience the coastline has for itself. In 2004, a big tsunami hit Southeast Asia, causing millions to lose their homes and families. As a result, the Israeli government created the Protection of the Coastal Environment Law, aiming to protect Israel's beaches. Here in Israel, fortunately, they put together a committee to assess the knowledge on tsunamis on the Israeli coastlines and to determine whether or not it needed to be included in the disaster management planning for the country. Um, and they decided yes. Israel is now consulted, <laughs> is asked for uh, input, um, and so the instruments, um, instrumentation, uh, there are dedicated people both from the Israel oceanographic um, and liminological research as well. You know, all of the different bodies and, and stakeholders are really well coordinated um, in order to respond and to, to react to it. The organization has begun to run drills to instruct citizens on what to do if a tsunami occurs. Dozens of tsunami warning signs in Hebrew, Arabic and English are placed around all coastline cities indicating the escape routes. Tsunamis are caused by earthquakes, and Israel has had five tsunamis recorded in the years 1222, 1303, 1870, 1908, and Jaffa experienced a small one in 1953. With all this information, the easiest thing to remember is if a tsunami comes, try to get one kilometer or about a sixth of a mile away from the shore and go up to the fourth floor or higher if you can. And of course, stay away from the beach for at least 12 hours. Israel's beaches are beautiful and maintained, but at the end of the day, it's mother nature that maintains us. Wow, and it's true. We humans can try to control nature, but it doesn't usually work, would you say? All right. Well, that is it for today's show. Today is Monday, March 12th, 2023. Tel Aviv has a low of 15 degrees Celsius and a high of 26 degrees. That's 59 degrees Fahrenheit for the low, going up to 78 degrees for the high. Subscribe to the Israel Daily News podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you're hearing it from. We are everywhere. Don't forget to sign up to our Israel Weekly News Wrap. It's a newsletter with the top five stories coming out of Israel from throughout the week. I also usually add in a few personal anecdotes so you can get the inside scoop on what's going on in my personal life. And I always mention our professional highlights from the Israel Daily News podcast. The newsletter went out today and it has a lot of things in it that I was not able to fit in today's show or news from throughout the weekend about protests and an event that I covered to commemorate one year of Russia's invasion into Ukraine. I went to an event for that last night. I wrote about it in the newsletter. So if you want that and you didn't get the newsletter and you want to see some of the other items that I'm working on outside of the podcast, 
reach out to me. My email address is shannafold at gmail.com. Or you can sign up for the newsletter on our website at israeldaily.news. Tomorrow, I will be having a very busy day rowing boats in the morning for sport, doing some research on master's degrees and MBAs, which I'm interested in during the day. So I'm going to be going to a fair for that. And then I'm off to the Travis Scott concert to report for the Israel Daily News. Travis Scott is an American celebrity, and he's here giving a show to Israelis. I'm going to be reporting on that. Keep up with me on Instagram at Shatafold for pictures and video. You can also check out our IsraelDaily.News Instagram, where I'll be posting as well. Thank you to Michelle Milner, our social media director, and our interns, Pedro Spiegel and Dan Jaime. Now, let's hear a song called Daleko by Asher Suisa and Erica Kral, my favorite Israeli DJ. This song is one of my all-time favorites from the Israel Daily News podcast. That's why I'm playing it for myself in celebration of 500 episodes of the Israel Daily News podcast. I hope that you'll enjoy it with me. Have a great and productive day and an excellent week. Очень далеко, где ручки чуть не ночью ждут меня.